Welcome to the Faculty Circle, Wellness Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Arcady. I'm an assistant professor at California State University of San Bernardino. This podcast was created to provide faculty the space to hear topics that impact our mental wellness. We're all in this together. This circle is a community resource for university faculty. In this informational circle, we will discuss topics that impact us, addressing one of the five domains of wellness, professional, spiritual, physical, psychological, and or emotional. In this sharing circle, we're going to review strategies and techniques that you can use that will ensure and enhance your mental wellness. I will be interviewing various faculty members from different universities and picking their brains on what they found to be helpful and beneficial. In this supportive circle, there is no shaming, blaming, only reframing and motivating you towards wellness. Welcome to the circle. Let's talk. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Faculty Circle Wellness Matters. Welcome to the circle. We are going to have an exciting time today. We are going to talk about something that is very important. You're wondering, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about stress, juggling multiple roles, and how that impacts you. We are very blessed to have with us a very special guest that's going to go over something, and she is coming into the circle. We're going to talk about that stress. So let's talk with our very own Rachel Keener. And she, let me just first of all tell you a little bit about who she is and why she is the perfect person to come into the circle and share with us. Rachel Keener is a licensed clinical psychologist. She began working at Cal State San Bernardino for the services for students with disabilities in 2006. Then she transferred to the Counseling and Psychological Services in 2007. She founded CAP's Health and Wellness Workshop Series in 2008. She continues to take an active role in the programming. She is also the group coordinator for CAPS, where they are currently running 16 therapy groups for students. She believes in following a holistic to wellness approach that includes care of the mind, body, and spirit. And that's exactly why it's great she's here. She has a trauma focus to her approach to therapy and is a certified trauma specialist. She enjoys traveling and has visited, whoo, Wait for it, 30 countries so far. She loves being outdoor and being and spending time with her beloved dog, Scout. So please, 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 everyone, help me welcome Dr. Keener to the circle. Welcome, welcome. Yay. Here she is. Thank you, Dr. Nicole. It's really good to be here today. I'm so excited just to have you here in the circle because we know as faculty, as staff, there are a lot of things that we go through, stressors, you know, trying to take on various different roles and tasks. And so it's really important for us to just talk about the things that we don't often like to talk about. And stress definitely is one of those. Can you just help us understand just, you know, what is stress? Absolutely. And there could be so many different takes on this topic. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to talk a little bit about allostatic load, mm -hmm. which is the cumulative effects of chronic stress on your mental and physical health. Mm. So the thing with this concept is uh, we don't always know when we are taking on more stress mm. than what we can handle. So it's kind of like the analogy of the frog in the pot. 
Mm-hmm. If, if you put the frog in the boiling pot, it would immediately jump out if it was able to. Um, but if you have the frog in the pot and you just begin to slowly mm. increase the temperature over time, the frog is going to be cooked. Oh, wow. And, and we can be like that cooked frog if we are not paying attention to our own allostatic load. Mm. Another way to think of this is if you were to take a backpack and fill it full of rocks and pick mm-hmm. it up, you'd be like, whoa, that's way too heavy. I can't carry that. But let's say over time, you just add one little rock, one little rock. Over time, the accumulation of the heaviness of the load will get to you. But you can think, well, no, I can do it because I did it yesterday. And I wow. can I can add just one more rock to my load. It's going to be okay. So with this concept of allostatic load, you really have to be thinking in terms of how can I be taking out some of those rocks? Mm. How can I be lightening my load? Because I'm always adding things in at the same time. Mm -hmm. Kind of like with your house. If you never declutter your house, you're always shopping and you're never getting rid of things. Ouch. (laughs) <laughs> and you find that you have multiple things, right? Of the same item. You're like, I know I have this. Exactly. Exactly. So really taking time to consider what can I do to lighten the load that you're carrying? And we're all carrying a heavy load. Mm-hmm. What can I do to lighten the load so that it's not so heavy so that I can go the distance? Mm. So when we're thinking about, you know, one, I'm hearing don't overload yourself, but it's, awareness sounds like one of the number one things before we can even get to trying to unload ourselves is having that self-awareness that we are overloaded because as you said with the cooked frog he was just sitting in that pot of water you know just relaxing swimming and not realizing he was boiling in the inside slowly a slow roast sorry i don't want to give that analogy but let's do the backpack because that makes me feel a little sad with the frog legs and stuff so like with the backpack taking you know having one little pebble or one rock added in there and not even realizing that from one state one point standpoint you were standing upright but as you added each rock you started to stoop over and not even aware that now your posture is bent over from this heavy load that you're carrying Exactly, exactly. Yes, awareness is a huge piece of this. And you can gain this awareness by taking the time to sit down and write out like, what are all the stressors? What are all Mm. the things that are on my plate? What are Mm -hmm. the rocks that are in my backpack? Mm. Uh, Along with that, taking time to really check in with yourself and ask yourself, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. How am I feeling? Uh, naming your emotions, taking the time to actually name what you're feeling mm-hmm. is huge. And so often with my clients and in my groups, I will have the clients, you know, we pull out the feeling wheel, which you can find online, just Google feeling wheel. Mm-hmm. And I have them look at the wheel and actually name what they're feeling. And just putting words to what what you're feeling is so very powerful. Yes, there is definitely some science behind that where it shows that being able to name the emotions and and your feelings actually can help to reduce the distress that you're going through and feel more empowered also. Absolutely. And not just naming the emotion, but even giving it a saturation uh, number, like on a scale Mm -hmm. of one to 10, I have them do that also. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also recognizing that many times we feel many different emotions at the same time. It's not just 
you know, a pure happiness or pure sadness. There's a mix of many different elements to our emotions. So being able to name them and give them a rating and then also taking a stance of not being judgmental towards yourself. Mm, I want to pause right there because this is this, what you're saying is so key. And what I'm hearing is not being judgmental to yourself, being compassionate to yourself, right? We're, we are already taught and we are socialized how to have compassion for others. That's when we see someone suffering and in pain, we want to eliminate and alleviate that pain and suffering for them. But we're oftentimes not taught how to have that same compassion towards ourselves. how to turn that inwards, right? And that's what self-compassion is. When you're going through something difficult or challenging, being kind, non-judgmental to yourself. Right. And actually practicing talking to yourself like you would to a friend. Mm-hmm. Because if we talk to our friends the way that we talk to ourselves, sometimes we wouldn't have any friends. So taking that time to practice that. And I really find that journaling is a helpful way to do that mm-hmm. because you make it so very conscious yes. what, what you're telling yourself. So I actually developed a group called Journaling for Growth this last year. Mm. And it, it's been a wonderful group. I've actually participated in the writings while the group members are writing themselves. And uh-huh. it's just a time to really become very consciously aware of what am I feeling? Um, you know, what are the reasons for it? What are the events surrounding it? Sometimes we go through our days and we don't realize why we feel low or down yeah. and really taking the time to recognize um, events that may have contributed towards that. Um, also, simple things like the amount of sleep that we've gotten. Ooh, yes. Right. Or, or even if we've had too many sugar donuts, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, sugar is, it's, I'm just, I'm just amazed at when you reduce your sugar intake, what that does to you, because I did that over a month ago. And I have to tell you, it cleared up the, the brain fog. I had more energy. I slept better and I woke up in the morning refreshed. Exactly. I didn't realize how much sugar was I was intaking and how it was impacting just my whole overall self-care and well-being. Absolutely. Yeah, I I do encourage people lower your sugar intake. You will feel so much better, even mm-hmm. though initially it might be hard to get through, you know, as you get off the sugar. <laughs> Um, yes, but, but the results are you will have less brain fog. You will f- feel more energized. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. And I love the sleeping, making sure we're getting adequate amounts of sleep. And oftentimes, I hear people say, "Well, I don't have time to sleep." And I think, well, you have to make time to make sure you're resting. And I have done a previous uh, podcast episode on the importance of sleep. And so, if listeners, if you haven't listened to that already, you want to go back and listen to some previous podcasts because sleep is. Sleep hygiene is highly important. Absolutely. They have done studies, and I know you've already done this podcast, but let me just say they have already done studies to show that you can induce major depression within a few weeks by limiting people's sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. other the other really important thing with sleep is if you're not getting the REM sleep where you're dreaming, dreaming is where you're processing your difficult emotions from your day. So a lot of times people will say, well, you know, why don't you sleep on it? You might feel better in the morning. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's true. If you have time to really get into good sleep, you're you will process some difficult emotions while you're sleeping at night. Mm. I watched this TikTok recently and I just laughed so hard. I shared it with so many people. And the person said, uh, whenever I'm going through difficulties and someone says, hey, do you want to do this? And I don't know what to do. She says, I'm going to take a nap. Naps naps help everything. You feel better when you wake up, right? And I just chuckled because I am a nap taker. And anyone who is around me, they can tell you that if I have not gotten my nap, I am a different person. I'm like the Hulk if I don't have my nap. So yes, I I make sure to incorporate naps. Naps are really, really important. Absolutely. And I I agree with you. I take naps from time to time, not as often as I would like, but Mm -hmm. yes, naps are are wonderful. Along with uh, sleep, of course, is exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Um, we all know we're supposed to exercise. Many times we think of exercise in terms of weight loss or, mm-hmm. or you know, related to our weight, but it's so much more than that. Um, people who exercise are able to maintain their mood better. They lower mm-hmm. the stress levels. Uh, they sleep better at night. They like their bodies better. They have higher self-esteem. Um, they've even shown that exercise helps delay the onset of diseases and it slows slows their progression. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, you could think of exercise as like the fire alarm, uh, like a fire alarm for the body. You're practicing what is it like to deal with stress. Hmm. And so the more that you practice dealing with stress, Physically, you can handle it in other arenas of your life, including emotionally, uh, dealing with difficult people, um, dealing with all the the different things that you're juggling at the same time. So wow. it's very, very beneficial. So what I'm hearing you say is a way that we can manage our stress levels. One is getting adequate amounts of sleep. Two, making sure that we're exercising or being active, right? Increasing our, our activities that we're doing, right? Getting our heart rate pumping for at least three times a week, right? And the other part I heard also was uh, be paying attention to your sugar intake, right? So watching the things that you're eating can definitely have an impact on your stress levels because if we address at least those three things, it will assist us in being able to effectively manage other things as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Getting your fruits and your veggies, avoiding mm-hmm. processed foods. Um, yeah. I, I have to say I'm not as, I'm not as good with that. I, I, I used to eat a lot more fruit and vegetables than I do now. So I have to make a conscious effort to make sure that I'm getting adequate amounts of fruit. Um, I'm good with the vegetables. I've gotten better as I've gotten older. But the fruits, I find um, I need to do better with that. And I do have a juicer. So I I love juicing, but it just makes such a big mess. It's like, oh, the cleanup afterwards. Understood. Yeah. Um, I was focusing this summer on this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. heard of it. Mm -hmm. New York Times bestseller Mm -hmm. book. And he talks about um, when we want to make changes in our life, changing at the 1% level. So it may feel way too overwhelming to make all Mm -hmm. these changes at once, but approaching it as I'm going to make this small change today or this week or this month, I'm going to set my goal for 
you know, maybe eating one extra vegetable a day, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than kind of saying, I'm going to make all these changes at the same time, which can feel really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then add to our stress levels, right? So I, I love that is change one per, at the 1% level because that sounds doable. If we think of 100%, only 1% level, I can do that. It sounds more doable and realistic. It's like having realistic expectations of ourselves. When we're talking about how we're managing our stress levels, when we're juggling multiple roles, definitely can be have re, having realistic expectations of yourselves assist in that area. And if you need to make changes, changing it at the 1% level, one small change, you know, being consistent with that can lead to a major change later. Exactly. Yeah. You take the trajectory of 1% out for the whole year and you mm -hmm. made a lot of changes in the year. And then you feel great because you're like, wow, I'm successful in this, right? It's exactly. when we have those small successes, it allows us to feel motivated and continue to move forward to make continued sustained progress and other changes as well. Exactly. And along with that, I really like to make it very visual if mm -hmm. I'm working towards a goal. So for example, I decided at the beginning of the year, you know what, I can't do the long workouts right now. I don't have the time. But if I do a 10 minute workout and I mark it on my mirror, like, okay, you go, you know, um, I feel accomplished in doing that. And I feel like I want to keep going rather than if I set this really high goal mm -hmm. for exercise and then I don't meet it and then I yeah. feel discouraged. Yes. And then I don't exercise at all. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. And you, and you can see it. I'm a visual person as well. So I like to see things because I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see it. I mean, if you can tell, I have vision boards and different aspiration statements all surrounding me. But it's I love that being able to see it. And when you feel accomplished because you've met a goal that was realistic, right, that was manageable, and it didn't make you feel overwhelmed and it didn't discourage you. And so then you feel more motivated to continue doing it. Exactly. Exactly. And 10 minutes of exercise is better than zero minutes of exercise. Exactly. Especially if you look at it over time, mm -hmm. the number of minutes that are involved in that for the yeah. year. Yeah. I had to really do a mindset shift. I had to shift my mindset because I was an athlete and I ran track. And so in my mind, it was unless you can get out there and do rigorous running and, you know, activity, then it's not worth it. And someone would say, just go for a walk. I'm like, I'm not walking. That's not that do anything. Just walking. Right. And I actually had to have a, a literally a mindset shift to go, well, Nicole, you're not out there running. And so you're doing nothing. So walking is better than doing nothing. And so that's how I started to walk. And then I found, wait a minute. Walking does do something. My heart rate was getting, you know, beating faster, was pumping, the blood flow was going. And I started to lose inches just by walking, nothing else. Just by walking, I noticed just the change in my physique. I noticed how I felt better. I felt more energized. So I had to, you know, I really did do that shift in my mindset of going, no, walking, doing something is better than doing nothing. Exactly. And I actually did want to say more about walking because mm -hmm. I believe in it so much. Um, during the pandemic, where we were working from home all the time, I started doing a daily walk at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And here we are three years later, and I'm still doing every, every single day that I'm working, I do a walk at lunch. Wow. Yeah. 
it's such a great way to clear my mind mm -hmm. and uh yeah it lowers you know the cortisol levels and you're out in nature i've met a lot of my neighbors <laughs> <laughs> and when i'm on campus i you know i get to see more of the campus and i feel less like i'm stuck in my office yeah in a silo mm -hmm. exactly for so many years i would just be in my office through the whole day i wouldn't go outside at all mm until the end of the day and in the winter of course i come in the darkness and i leave in the darkness mm. it's not a good way to live no wow you know what i'm gonna take that advice actually be is well it's starting to get cooler it's just a little too hot for me <laughs> so but it's getting cooler but i really like that idea of my lunchtime just going out and walking right because we there is a beautiful campus at cal state san Bernardino. so going out and just walking during my lunch break will definitely be a way to break up the monotony of things because I can stay, you know, hyper-focused at times on my computer and be in back-to-back -back meetings or, you know, student interviews and different things. And I do take my lunch breaks, right? Because I know the importance of that. Uh, but I'm going to incorporate at least going out and walking. I think that's amazing. Absolutely. And along with that, people who want to be more creative in their work or just in their regular life, should think about walking because uh, walking releases greater, greater creativity in your life. Oh, yeah. I had no, oh, well, let me, after this, I need to go for a walk then because I'm like, I need to write this article. So I need to go for a walk so it can induce that creativity and reduce those cortisol levels. I'm really serious. I'm going to go for a walk though. Yeah, no, for real. In when I was in college and I would get stuck on a paper, I would mm -hmm. go for a walk. I didn't know the science behind it. Um, I've since learned the science behind it that, yes, if you want to have greater creativity in your life, go for a walk. Wow. Okay. That's mind blowing. Thank you for that. This is definitely going to be helpful because, you know, we're talking about faculty and staff, we get stressed and, and we have to be creative in the things that we produce. And so if you're kind of feeling stuck, you heard it from Dr. Rachel, go for a walk. It's definitely going to fire up those cylinders in that brain and help to loosen up right? The right side of the brain. So you can get that creative mindset going and then you can start working on that left side as you write it <laughs> and correct it, right? So looking at it in that aspect. Well, I mean, this has been all amazing, just things that you've gone over. I'm, I'm trying to look at, there's just so much with all of just the different strategies that we spoke about with one, understanding what stress is and, and how it can affect you. Um, understanding, I really loved when you spoke about the allostatic, I'm probably not saying it right, load. No, yeah, okay. Allostatic load, because this was a new concept I hadn't heard. And just really being being mindful and paying attention and have that awareness of when we are overloaded so that we can slowly take things off. And so some ways that you said how you're able to lighten your load and things that you can do is one, to write out your stressors, like looking at what's on your plate, because before we can do anything about it, we have to write it out and look at it, right? To see what may be causing us our stress. What are those triggers? Because we're not aware, we can't really address it. And then you said, take time to do a self check-in, right? Really checking in with yourself, seeing what's going on, right? And then the other thing you said is naming your emotions and your feelings. 
And, and the fact that we can have various emotions at the same time, right? So you can't say, oh, I'm sad, but then I can't feel happy at the same time, right? You can have various emotions. And one of the things you said that was really great, and I love journaling. Journaling, I've been a journaler since I was a teenager, so I know the positive effects of journaling. I even developed my own journal because I, I just know the power of it. But one of the things you said is, you know, journaling can help you develop your self-awareness, right? It's being able to see that. And I love that you did the journaling for growth. That's a group that you said, you know, you developed and how that has definitely been adding uh, to just with other individuals with reducing their stress levels, helping them maintain any of their emotional distress, right? Or any of their, their psychological symptoms. Um, did I get it all? I mean, is there anything else that you would like to add? <laughs> you are an amazing listener. And there's actually, there's actually a few more things I do want to add. Yes, please. Um, yeah. So back to the journaling, there's a method uh, that James Pennebacher developed. So let's say you've gone through something and like, just a difficult thing and you can't shake it. Like maybe you had a bad interaction with a colleague and you, you just can't shake it. He recommends taking 20 minutes a day for four days in a row where you just write it out. You write everything out that you're feeling and thinking. And um, it's very effective. It's mm. very effective for letting it go. And sometimes... I know we have a hard time letting things go. Yes. Yeah. And maybe maybe even we feel like, oh, we can't talk about this with someone else. Uh, with the journaling technique, you don't no one else has to read it. No one else should read it. It's really mm -hmm. just you. So that's I love that. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. very it's very effective. It's it's free. <laughs> right. It's free. I love free 99. That's my my favorite term. I mean, I love this technique because it's allowing you, if you don't have anyone that you can talk to and, you know, maybe you don't, it's not something where you feel you need to go speak to a therapist about, but you, it's still just bothering you. This is a great way to assist you in processing those feelings and those emotions, right? So that it's not staying in your mind and having all that brain chatter, right? That, that keeps thoughts out because of all of what the distressful thoughts that you have in there that keeps replaying over and over in your head. I should have said this or why did this happen and how come, right? All those things that we have that often may go on our head. This is a great method. Thank you for this. Yeah. And um, along with that, if you are having a lot of difficulties in getting along with people, uh, working on your interpersonal skills is a must. Uh, there's a really good book called Crucial Conversations and they've mm -hmm. written actually a series of books. So yes, I love that. Okay. You, you've read them too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So learning how, how do you have those difficult conversations with people? Uh, how do you work through those things? And this could be with family members. It could be with friends. It could be with your coworkers. The skills work across the board. So very important, working on your interpersonal skills. And then just one other thing I wanted to add was having creative outlets. Mm, what would that look like? So it could be any number of things. I used to think of creative outlets as just painting and music. And those are mm -hmm. wonderful things if, if you are into that. Those um, as practicing them, not just listening to music or looking mm -hmm. at things, but practicing them was never something I was good at. So I have found other creative outlets for myself, such as trying new recipes. Uh, this summer I got into furniture flipping, watching mm. videos and then trying it out myself. Um, 
sewing projects, decorating, anything that allows you to create uh, is very powerful. You feel so good when you look at it. Mm-hmm. I'm visualizing. I'm like trying to think like, what could that look like for me? Like, would gardening count in that? I don't know. <laughs> is that creative? Because yeah. I, get, I get excited when I start to see the buds sprout and then I see, you know, fruit or I see the produce on the vine, I get super excited and I have to tend to it every day. Actually, I'm going to go do that after this, but tend to it. Right. And so does, is that creative? I'm like, is that? Absolutely. That's creative. Yeah. So finding those things that make you feel alive and mm -hmm. feel joyful so that you're not just a work machine. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing fun things. You're doing things that you enjoy. You're doing things that bring you a sense of being alive. I just had to write that down because I think that statement you just said is something that needs to be shouted from the rooftops. You are not just a work machine, right? You're not. You are not. You're multifaceted, right? As as faculty, as staff, and so there's more layers to you, and not just the one side. As far as the academia part, you have to do other things so that you can have a fulfilled life. And so, although this is the faculty circle, right, and we're talking about things, this is the whole approach that we're talking about. You as a whole being, and so doing those things that are important to you, that are going to bring joy, that are going to bring excitement is definitely going to help you in your professional life, but we're also looking at in your personal life, what are you doing so that you can have a sense of fulfillment outside of your role as faculty or as staff? Absolutely. You say it so much better than I say it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's amazing. No, these are great. And I love having difficult conversations. Well, I don't love having difficult conversations. The book. <laughs> Let me clarify. They're like, oh, you love having difficult conversations, do you? No, no, the book. <laughs> I think it's a great way if you have a if you have a challenging time with really being able to have those uncomfortable conversations, which many people do, then it's a great way to help you develop some of those interpersonal skills with managing conflict right and having those tough conversations because we all have to do it i would love to be in a world where we all thought the same and we all just oh you can with the go through the meadows and you know you're singing and dancing right <laughs> kind of thing but that's just not the reality of the world that we live in and so it's important to have those skills because oftentimes if you have a challenging time having those conversations that in itself can lead to stress for you and high stress levels Absolutely. Yes. You may hear my dog clawing at the door right now. <laughs> Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, this has been amazing. I don't want to uh, cut you off. Is there anything else? I don't want if you have some other tidbits that you want to leave. I, I do want to ask one question for the listeners who are not aware. Can you please um, tell us what CAPS stands for? Oh, yes, absolutely. Counseling and Psychological Services. Thank you. And uh, yes, I did want to add that, that um, CAPS is is there if you have a difficult student. Um, you Well, the care team is also there. Mm -hmm. But CAPS is there if you have a student that is going through a crisis or, you know, just is going through a difficult time. You can walk them over to CAPS or you could call us to consult like, hey, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Can you talk me through how can I help this student? 
-hmm. So we are there for you. Uh, we do not provide counseling services for faculty, but that is provided through the employee assistance program. Mm -hmm. um, although our workshops are open for the entire campus community, including mm -hmm. faculty and staff. No, thank you for that. And for those listeners um, who do not, uh, are not working at Cal State San Bernardino, you want to look uh, at your organization, your institution, and see what kind of services may be available for you uh, as a faculty member and what what service, psychological services may be available to your students if you yourself are feeling like, hey, I really uh, just need some feedback and maybe the student needs a little bit of assistance. Um, all campuses usually will have something available. So if you're not familiar with what that is, I would say to definitely look in to, at your institution to see what services they do provide. Yes. Well, I think we are coming to the end of this episode. I hope that you have gained something from this jewels, the pieces of knowledge that Dr. Rachel Keener has provided to us because stress is a topic that can be very sensitive that we may not want to discuss because we feel like we have to take everything in stride, that we can't show any weakness, that we can't show that we're not able to manage, that we can't show that it's having a negative effect on us. And I want to break that myth. Yes, you can. You are human. You are not a robot. I'm going to say her, but let me say it again. Let me look at the phrase. You are not a work machine. That is going to be my new phrase for the rest of this school year, the rest of the academic year. And I will give you credit. You are not a work machine, right? And so making sure that you are taking the time for yourself is so very important. And I, I would just leave final words, any final words with um, Dr. Keener before she leaves the circle. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Dr. Nicole, this has been um, really good for me. Anytime I do something like this, I feel re-energized myself to practice these things even more. So I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much. What an amazing episode that we had just helping you to understand and identify what, you know, stress may look like for you. You got to first be able to identify that load that you're carrying and making sure that if once you identify, start to take some of those rocks out your backpack because I'm a hiker. Well, I've started hiking. So can I call myself a hiker? I don't know, but I'm going to. I've been hiking. And so I'm very mindful of what's in my backpack, because if I have too many items in there, it's going to make me really slow as I'm going on those trails. And it's going to really exhaust me much more quicker than if I didn't. So paying attention is going to be very important for you. And knowing that you are not alone, right, with what you're going through, it's more than likely normal, right, when you're a faculty member or a staff with the different things that you have to do and you have to juggle, but only you can decide what's too much for you. Only you can make realistic expectations for yourself. Only you can decide to do something about it when you recognize that it's causing an emotional toil on you, on your psyche, on your body. So I hope that you make the right decision and choose you because you're so very important. I want to thank you for spending time in the circle, another episode with us here at the Faculty Circle Wellness Matter. Remember, we're all in this together and your wellness matters too. Catch you next time on another episode. This is Dr. Nicole L. Arcady, your Mental Wellness Fellow. <laughs>